Hail and well met. I'm Alyssa. I'm Eliana. I'm Kenna Rose. And I'm Jenna. Today we are talking about a very touchy subject in our culture, especially... Very touchy. Yeah, especially today. We are talking about lies of feminism. But in this podcast, this is episode six, we are going to be talking specifically about the lies of feminism that have permeated into the church. The evangelical church has swallowed this doctrine whole. And we're going to be talking about some issues that we find in this doctrine and why feminism is not biblical. Yes. And also why that's important, too. Mm -hmm. Exactly. The first lie that I have found in the research that I've done, um, Paul Enns wrote a book called The Moody Handbook of Theology. Mm -hmm. I encourage anyone to go read it. I forget which chapter, but he covers the whole doctrine of evangelical feminism theology. And the biggest lie that he found was that male headship is not found in the Bible. We hear this a lot. Um, There's no such thing as male headship. There's mutual submission. You know, the husband leadership, servant leadership, the husband and the wife both submit to each other. And that all comes from a good place because, of of course, the husband is supposed to love his wife. Right. And I think often in our culture, too, people think that's designed to demean women because they have like there's like a twisted understanding of the roles. Mm -hmm. And also the definition of the word submit. I mean, when we think of submit, we think often in the way of like complete no Ability kind of like, to think for yourself. Kind or of like, like a slave. Exactly. Like being squished. I'd say that this isn't exactly that kind of submission. It's not submission where you have no right to think for yourself. It's mm-hmm. not a submission where you you are completely under... It's submission of what Christ did for us. He submitted to God, and mm-hmm. he put himself through agony for us. Exactly. And so, that's in Philippians 2, that Christ submitted to God to the point of death, even death on the cross. Exactly. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that mm-hmm. Christ is Lord. And we find that, that um, especially in 1 Corinthians 11, the head of Christ is God, the head of the woman is the man, the head of the man is Christ. This isn't a... Hierarchy? A hierarchy. We're not saying that God is more important than Christ because then you've just committed a Trinitary heresy when you say that. We're not talking about um, being better than someone. Mm -hmm. We're talking about difference in function, and that does not necessitate inferiority in nature. And difference in role as well along with that. Right. Yeah, difference does not mean higher, lower. It's not working in a terms of what's better what's worse what's it's a harmony higher what's mm-hmm. lower exactly it's working more in terms of like places we've been put and tasks we've been given to do mm-hmm. and it's interesting because the world values certain val- or things more than they value others and priorities yeah. exactly they put their priorities in different places which has been super harmful and which is a lot of the reasons why these lies have sprung up especially in the church the church has adopted the priorities of the world Exactly. So the biggest lie that I've already kind of done an intro on is that male headship is not found in the Bible. Yeah, we're going to circle back to that. Yes. And (laughs) Linda Belleville is a prominent feminist, I guess, theological person, Mm -hmm. evangelical feminist. All right. And in her book, Two Views on Women in Ministry, she says, male rule finds no explicit place in the Bible's theology at all. (laughs) The man's rule over the woman is not cited even once not even for the husband-wife relationship. The simple fact is that male rule does not reappear in the Old Testament. The woman is nowhere commanded to obey the man, not even her husband. 
and the man is nowhere commanded to rule the woman, not even his wife, end quote. Are we reading the same Bible? <laughs> I'm a little curious where she got yeah, some of that from. Yeah, because it's like, even just a casual reading of the Bible, you see it. Well, I'd actually, yeah, exactly, which is why I'd actually be very curious to see where she sees that. You know, yeah. it would be interesting to find out where she's coming from in that. Exactly, because as I'm going to go into right now, it's very easy to refute. Uh, a man's rule is over a woman is all over scripture. It almost seems like a devil's advocate uh, statement yes. to make. Well, because I was like talking with my mom before we recorded this, and I was saying this is one area where Satan has so managed mm-hmm. to just twist it and done it so well in our culture yeah that like the very aspect of what being a woman is has been messed up mm-hmm. and i would like that, to make a note because sometimes this gets confused and this is where a lot of the feminist theology comes from we are not talking about women submitting to men Mm-mm. we are talking about one wife submitting to one husband exactly and that's mm-hmm. actually a protection that's on women absolutely i am not supposed to submit to seven billion other men Mm-mm. like mm-hmm. that's that amazing would be dangerous <laughs> right um a husband's rule over his wife is not a result of the fall it existed and was ordered this way before the fall that's how god made the world exactly uh, genesis three seventeen says um part of god's curse to adam was because quote he listened to the voice of his wife it's not saying that he listened to what she was saying. He did not exercise male headship as the leader. He walked into sin with open eyes. Exactly. And that's why we see in Romans 5 that sin is caused through Adam, not Eve. Just for clarification's sake, the Bible does say in Genesis 3 that part of the curse of the fall would be that uh, her desire shall be contrary to her husband's and he shall rule over her. So like how does that have to do with that? Is that like male headship? Like kind of what are we seeing there? That is an excellent question. And I think that's where a lot of feminism comes from is because when we look at the effects of the fall, we see this strife between man and woman. Mm-hmm. And we see that as male headship being a curse. But we find in the creation narrative, and Paul actually cites this in 1 Timothy 2, 12 through 15, his reasoning for not allowing women to exercise authority over men. And he goes back to creation. He says, the man was formed first. And then in other places, he says that the woman was created for the man. The woman is the glory of man. She's the glory of the glory of creation. Yeah, because uh, in Genesis, it says that man was the greatest creation Mm -hmm. that God made. God literally made man in his image. And so if man is the glory of creation and woman is made of the man then that means the woman is the glory of the glory and if you think about that that's that's pretty cool it's absolutely beautiful and so back to your question yeah that's a really great question what does it mean that eve's desire will be contrary to her husband and he will rule over her Um, when we properly look at scripture and context and what is being said i think it becomes very clear because what um the writer um which was Moses, the writer of the Torah, is saying when he's um, inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this, what is being said is, Mm -hmm. because of the fall, Adam and Eve now have a sinful nature. And now Eve will not willingly and joyfully submit to Adam, but she will have to because that is what God requires of her. And it's hard. We see this in marriage today. The woman wanting to dominate her husband Mm -hmm. and to not submit to him this is still going on today it's not that Mm -hmm. male headship was 
evil. It's that now sin has crept in and has distorted the marriage. And also it's now like then when everything was perfect, I mean, in relation to how we see it, the male was worthy of that submission and the relation of what he was worthy of it. So she would be more willing to it today. It's like because we live in a sinful world, nobody is perfect. The desire to serve is less so. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I think, too, that society has twisted both or just sinful nature has twisted the meaning of both of those roles as well. They both require sacrificial Christ focused living men's role as the head require them to lead like christ sacrificially putting others needs ahead of themselves Mm -hmm. and sacrificially doing things for others first and loving his wife the way christ loved the church and how did christ love the church he He, gave himself exactly that's in ephesians 5 and And that's the true definition of servant leadership right exactly but then woman's role sorry go ahead i can say but woman's role requires her to submit to her equal and because women and men are equal in value but god gave them different roles it's very similar to god in christ right how christ submits to god even though they are of equal value that's right right so and that doesn't mean that christ is less important than god no not at all Uh, no that's heresy exactly (laughs) yeah that's heresy christ is literally god and i think it's like when god was talking about creating adam and eve in the image of God, he created them. I mean, we're both of the race of man. And I think um, that's a really important thing to remember. Absolutely. Right? And submissiveness in our society, too. It's that sacrificial living, too, by submitting to your equal. And, well, we get to represent Christ in that. But it's thought down on by society, I think, partly because our sin nature is so focused on ourselves. If you think about it, The way it was created before the fall was that each, the husband and the wife, they were living for each other. Like they were putting each other's needs first. And because of the fall, we always want to focus on ourselves first. Mm -hmm. And so it makes those roles really hard. Right. Even in Titus 2, when Paul is instructing um, Titus to have the older woman teach the younger women what is he instructing them to do to love their husbands to love their children that just shows that because instruction is needed it is not natural to do that it's not natural right. to sacrificially love it's something that you need to practice it's a discipline that needs to be enforced in your life both for men and women and before the fall that was more of a natural thing was the sacrificial love and because of the fall like you were saying earlier now it's a hard thing to do that has to be taught and learned and goes against our nature because our nature is now inherently sinful. Exactly, exactly. When Eve offered the fruit to her husband and Adam took it, was he loving his wife? No, he did not protect her and that's what he should have done. I I heard this analogy somewhere that Christ was what Adam should have been for his wife. So Adam was without sin and so Adam should have given himself up for his wife. And that's why we needed Christ, because Adam did not do that. Huh, that's you a are cool spot on. In Ephesians 5, Paul commands, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You are absolutely right. Christ is the true and better Adam. Now I'm really curious. What would have happened if Adam never ate the fruit? Well, in the words of Aslan, ours is not to know what would have happened. 
But what will happen, exactly. that is still for us to decide. And that's also not to say that women are gullible creatures who cannot be trusted. and who, no. Like, that is the worst, is a very wrong view Surprise, to take. Surprise, we like, have brains. Exactly, right? <laughs> like, that is not a good thing to say. The point that we're trying to make, however, is that Adam was not fulfilling his role, and it caused a whole ton of problems. Yes. And at the same time, Eve was not fulfilling. It was just a mix-up. They were None of them were fulfilling their roles, which I believe... Um, so eating the fruit was not the only sin. They also weren't fulfilling their God-given roles in the moment. And that's a good thought because I wouldn't have thought of that. It wasn't just that they were disobeying God by eating the fruit, but they also weren't listening to God by they weren't fulfilling the roles he had created them for exactly. in that moment. Exactly. I would like to emphasize on your point, Eliana, it was fantastic that the fall was a usurpation of the created order. Eve mm. put herself above Adam by domineering him. Mm. Adam submitted to Eve which twisted the order. Adam and Eve both put themselves above God because they disobeyed, so they did mm-hmm. not submit to God. The whole created order was just flipped on its was end. Was flipped on its end and we get sinful nature now. Exactly. And that's and we're born into the sinful nature with desires contrary to what should be done. Yeah. The second lie that we are going to be covering in episode 6 is 1 Timothy 2 is irrelevant and that men and women have the same roles. Collective laugh in 3, 2, 1. (laughs) (laughs) No, but this is a great one because I just get really excited over theology and Mm -hmm. proper exegesis and hermeneutics. You should see the notes she put together for this. (laughs) It's like a full-out research I am a Bible major in college. (laughs) Some girls get very excited over like a Justin Bieber concert, but Alyssa gets super excited when we're like, okay, we're doing a podcast on feminism, and she just starts (laughs) bouncing like a little girl. (laughs) It's true. She's so excited. It's the best thing. (laughs) Oh, it's great. Okay, the first one that... I'm going to be discussing is Paul's prohibition in 1 Timothy 2 may have been local or temporary. And we hear this a lot. Like, okay. It was a sign of the time. It was a, it yeah, was this particular church. Culture. Yeah. Right. A position that some feminists take is that Paul's prohibition in 1 Timothy 2 was related to his rabbinical thinking, which was his past, mm-hmm. and which was in conflict with his thinking as a Christian. And so that kind it, of that he was still... accurate. Right. Like, he's still... Exactly. Um, going with things like he had right exactly and so it could have been erroneous or that he was just too embedded in his rabbinical thinking Mm -hmm. that he just said something that that was shade on everything he says then because if that's wrong then what about all the rest of his letters exactly i think they also say that it's like you take more of the principle and less of the actual cultural time Mm -hmm. Thing. Exactly. And it's an example of the rules, but not necessarily a rule to follow by, mm-hmm. which is wrong. <laughs> exactly. And Paul Enns makes that point in his book when he says, quote, but if Paul was in error in 1 Timothy 2, where else was he in error? Exactly. In his earlier statements about Christ being the only mediator between God and man in 1 Timothy 2, 5, or about Christ offering himself as a ransom for all in 1 Timothy 2, 6, why should 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6 be accepted as believable? And 1 Timothy 2.12 be rejected as erroneous. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. entire approach to scripture becomes subjective. It's the inspiration of scripture is removed and reason is exalted above authority. Yeah. Exactly. Well. It's an all or nothing case. Like, you can either take it's all so of it is. as fact or you can take none of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And this boils down to is scripture infallible and authoritative is it or is it not? Yes. Is it in the inspired right. world of God or is it not? And that's you can't have it both so ways. Important. It's why it's just so important because... It, 
if it is the chance that is wrong, then what are we doing sitting here? What are we doing following Christianity? What's even? life for? Right. Honestly. And you can see how then Satan, this attack on femininity and being a woman, then goes to basically an attack on Christianity because it takes this and it's like, that's right. If the way in the scriptures God's created woman is just wrong or subjective or not considered or, you know, it's just a sign of the times, then what else in the Bible is not right? Right. Yeah. What else is just for that church? Right. So Paul's whole position on justification by faith alone in Romans, is that just for that time? Yeah. Does that exactly. still apply to us modern day believers? Are we supposed to continue in sin so grace can abound now? Is that is that somehow okay? By yeah. no means. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that's a really important point to hit on that a lot of feminists believe that Paul is somehow in error in some way when he says these things. Well, and that, that is, is so dangerous. Something you can just kind of gloss over and like slide through without... Like, because I, I know that if there are things in the Bible that you don't understand, sometimes it's easy to just kind of be like, yeah, maybe I just don't understand that yet, and that sort of thing. Or it can't possibly be that. But, hey, sometimes I just got to consider the fact that maybe the Bible is actually literal and accurate. And a lot of the times <laughs> it very much is literal and accurate. And so being able to kind of take a step back and saying, okay, what I think is true versus what the Bible says to be true. And then, you know, you got to change your way of thinking. Exactly, because with our sin nature... Not everything we think or believe is going to be under um, the laws of God, so to speak. We wouldn't necessarily need the Bible as much or a lot of what God says if we already knew all of this stuff. If all of this already made sense to us, we would basically, we would have it already. We would fall living by our own truth. We would be living by our own truth. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, and I'm not saying that these issues in the church as it relates to feminist theology I'm not saying that this is an easy thing to tackle or an easy thing to battle in your mind. I mean, exactly. we're all women. We all kind of shiver at the idea of submission to men, and even submission it to your husband. It it's like, yeah, it makes you kind of prickle it's like, up. No, it's like, I, I, I want to do my own thing. Exactly. And so I'm not saying, I'm not trying to beat everyone over the head and say, you need to submit, and if you don't, you're not Christian. Like, this is difficult to do, but this is part of our sanctification journey when we conform ourselves more to Christ through being in the word, through prayer, and he transforms our desires to where we look more like Christ. And that for women, it looks like submitting to our husbands. Right. We say that despite the fact that none of us are actually (laughs) married yet. (laughs) Alyssa's just like, well, just give me a couple. (laughs) Give me a couple years. (laughs) Alyssa's like, you think I'm planning for the podcast? No, I'm planning for real life. And despite the trickiness of this subject, if we live this out in our lives, this form of submission like wives submitting to their husbands, it's pretty neat because it will show like you're living the gospel out to the world because it's not the way the world usually operates. And people who see that will kind of want to know where this is coming from, where this peace exactly. and joy is coming it's just from. one more way and, how to sh- be salt and light mm-hmm. and i believe in ephesians when it talks about submitting to one another out of reverence for christ like once again to bring back we're talking about under the guise of husbands and wives right and oh if you're not married then that just means everybody should submit to everybody else out of reverence for christ i would say that if you are a woman and you're not married then you submit to your father yes but, but in peer level and right 
be a peer level when they're, when he's saying that I think he means what Christ did for the apostles at the last supper where he put them first and washed their their feet exactly that is that type of reverence and submission I think Paul is referring to there but until we are married we need to be under our father's protection and and honor them Ephesians 5:21 that's a really good point to bring up um, when he's talking about mutual submission, he's kind of giving a intro into what he's about to say. He's giving three contexts for this mutual submission. Um, the first context is a husband and a wife. Mm-hmm. The second context is parents and children. Mm-hmm. And the third context is employers and employees. And in none of those contexts is it mutual, where the husband submits to the wife. What he's talking about is that everything is to be done in love. Exactly. And, and that so, you put others' needs above yourself. Like the husband is not over there with his wife browbeating her saying, you need to listen to me because it's biblical. Well, that's not biblical headship. Absolutely Biblical not. headship is loving. What do we see in Philippians 2? Which is loving. why the definition of submission is also super important because when we see with submission when it comes to employers, when we see with submission when it comes to children and parents, it's the submission is not... The submission would be listening to and respecting what they say, but at the same time, there's a part of submission that is both sides loving each other and doing what is best for them. Oh, I agree. Like, submission in itself should be out of love on both sides. It should be, absolutely. But sometimes it isn't always, and Peter kind of talks about that, of wives still submitting to their husbands, even if they're not walking with Christ, that the husband might be won over by the conduct of their wife. Mm -hmm. And so by living this out, we can be living out the gospel to a very broken and hurting world. Absolutely. I think that kind of wraps up episode six. And until we meet again, let us firmly rely on the protection of divine providence. As Elizabeth Elliot once said, we are called to be women. The fact that I am a woman does not make me a different kind of Christian, but the fact that I am a Christian does make me a different kind of woman. This is self-evident.